0: So the little R symbol, designates when a trademark is registered and it's actually a criminal offence to use the little r symbol if your trademark is not yet registered um, in uh, quite a few countries including the uk and the united states for example and then the little tm symbol on the other hand shows that your trademark is unregistered or that you're using your trademark as a trademark um, but it's not yet um, registered or you haven't actually applied for it um, as a registered um, right um, so that can actually be used as evidence if you ever need to show that you've got um, registered rights.
1: Welcome to episode seven of Let's Talk Pure Ideas. I'm Katia Douglas, the commercial director of Pure
0: Ideas. And I am Danny Weirs, a trademark attorney at Pure Ideas.
1: We're really pleased to um, bring to you today the part two of our trademarks podcast. It has been the part one was one of the most popular podcasts we've done to date. Um, I think all the information that Danny gave was so interesting. Lots and lots of people have visited it several times. And um, along the way, we've been gathering some questions from um, people who have sort of burning questions on trademarks. And we thought it was time for trademarks, too, so we can um, talk through some of
0: those. So, Danny, the first question that we get asked is, who can own a trademark? So pretty much anyone um, can own a trademark. Any legal entity can own a trademark. So it can be um, one individual on their own. It can be um, a couple of individuals together. It can be a limited company or a partnership or even charities can own a trademark.
1: OK. And can you with a trademark, can you transfer the ownership to somebody else if you need to? Yes, you must definitely
0: can. Yep. Um, it's very important that um, if needed, that you can um, transfer um, the legal entity or the ownership of a trademark from one to another. It's what's known as uh, an assignment, so a change of ownership. Um, it's really important that any changes in ownership are registered at the UK IPO, so the Intellectual Property Office, for it to have effect. For example, if um, we ever need to raise an opposition in your name, if we ever need to take any infringement proceedings, um, for example, to claim any damages in the future um touch word if anything were not to go wrong um, for example um, we need to be, um, we need to ensure that the ownership of the trademark is um, in the correct name so that the register is reflective of that.
1: okay that's that's really interesting. And um, another question that we get quite often is what is the difference between the little R symbol meaning registered and TM um, when could you use them or
0: should you use them? This is, yeah, this is a question I get a lot. Um, the distinction between the two is essentially whether a trademark is registered or unregistered. So the little R symbol, um, designates when a trademark is registered and it's actually a criminal offence to use the little r symbol if your trademark is not yet registered um, in uh, quite a few countries including the uk and the united states for example and then the little tm symbol on the other hand shows that your trademark is unregistered or that you're using your trademark as a trademark um, but it's not yet um, registered or you haven't actually applied for it um, as a registered um, right so that can actually be used as evidence if you ever need to show that you've got um, unregistered rights in infringement or opposition for example so it's actually very important that you use the correct symbol and we've had instances of people using the wrong symbol before so yeah make sure you're only using the registered little r if you have a registered trademark so anybody out there
1: using r when they shouldn't be perhaps very quickly look at what you've what, yes. what you've got on <laughs> your collateral and get it changed double quick okay yes. <laughs> um something that came up in our last podcast um, was about the what what happens when somebody copies your trademark and uh, or tells you you're copying their trademark what can you do about that
0: um so there's there's quite a lot of things that we can do about it um firstly The level of similarity between trademarks is assessed um, using um, the oral, the visual and the conceptual similarities between both the marks and then also the similarities between the goods and services of a mark so a way of avoiding any potential issues is um, if you have a um, brand new mark or you're looking at finding a new mark and you're concerned that there might be um, an issue out there or a conflicting previous mark we can, we would always recommend carrying out a conflict um, a clearance search before filing to see if there's any um, problematic or existing trademarks that are already on file to potentially avoid any accidental similarity occurring Or if you, on the other hand, find that someone is using your trademark without your consent or if they're using a mark that is confusingly similar to your own. At that point, we obviously always advise that you seek um, legal advice as soon as possible. Um, If this were ever to arise, the best approach is usually to start off by sending a cease and desist letter to the um, alleged infringer. Nine times out of 10, this um, approach usually works. Um, If the cease and desist letter doesn't work, then there are other options we can look at. Um, For example, um, oppositions or infringement proceedings if um, they were ever needed. Um, another approach that we can always do is we always recommend implementing a trademark watch. Um, this is a serv; it's an ongoing service, so it's a watch where we monitor trademark registers. Um, it could be the registry in the UK, or it could be registers around the world um, to see if there's any identical or confusingly similar trademark uh, trademarks that are applied for that um, may be problematic to your own mark. So that it allows us to take us um, it allows us to take early action as soon as possible.
1: Oh, that's there's a lot of information there, isn't there? You can see why you'd need to get advice on this sort of thing if it if it cropped up. I mean, I know we do a lot of cease and desist letters, and they're they're highly successful, and we hope for the client's benefit that it's not going to turn into an opposition. But um, at least they know they've got that sort of ongoing advice if if it if it does. So, um, in terms of the sort of trademark registrations, are there any um, official fees that have to be paid when you're registering a trademark?
0: So there are official fees that are due um, when filing an application. Um, The level of fees um, can vary depending on where you're looking at filing your application. So the jurisdiction and it can also vary depending on how many classes you include in your application. Um, There's an official fee for every class. So the more classes you're looking to protect in your application, the more expensive it's going to be. Um, There are then also official fees at renewal. So, um, a trademark can be renewed every year, every ten years. Sorry, um, in the majority of countries, and it can be renewed indefinitely, subject to the payment of renewal fees. You can also look at um, applying for a, a registered European um, Community trademark at the EU IPO, which is a regional trademark. So, there's official fees there, and it can um, you can have significant savings um, by using this route rather than applying for individual national regist- uh, registered trademarks. For example, in France or in Spain or in italy as individual marks um and as well as an eu trademark there's also a madrid international worldwide um trademark i say worldwide in parenthesis because um the you can file in up to 120 plus countries but you need to specifically designate a specific country in this application the more um countries you designate in the application the more expensive the application will be and then again for both the EU and the Madrid worldwide application the more classes you include in the application the more expensive the application will be
1: you you mentioned some again some really useful stuff there. I mean, two two things that uh, occurred to me while you were talking. There was re- the renewal side of things, which, um, as you you mentioned, trademarks renew every ten years. Um, but we also have within Pure Ideas a renewals department that deal with patents, uh, not ju- not not just trademarks, but patents and design rights as well. If you'd like any advice or help, um, please follow the links at the end of the podcast and we'll be very happy to have a a chat with you. Um, One of the other things that um, you've touched on before, I know, is non-use of a trademark. We had this recently with a client um, in relation to whether they could use a, you know, whether they could register a trademark if there wasn't an intention to use it. What's your um, reaction to that, Danny? What is possible? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so that question comes up quite a lot. So, um, for example, in the United Kingdom, when you are looking to file a trademark, you need to have a bona fide intention to actually use the trademark that you're applying for, for the goods and services that you are looking to protect. Um, there is a period of not of five years non-use in the UK. Um, that essentially means um, for the first five years of, your mar- of the mark's life, after that period of time, if you're not using your mark, your mark can then be vulnerable to cancellation and action. So it can be challenged because a third party believes you're not using your mark for the goods and services that you have protected. Um, so, for the first five years of your life, the, you're at the application or your registration at that point, sorry, um, cannot be challenged for non use. After the first five years, it can be challenged. So, basically, make sure you're using your you're mark using for the it. goods and services Absolutely. that you have applied for. The non-use period also varies um, for different countries as well. So, for example, in the United States, it's three years. So depending on where you have protection, the um, validity and the amount of time that you have um, for a gross period of non-use changes. So that's something to always bear in mind as well when you're looking for protection around the world. And
1: this is the kind of thing that we can advise clients on, isn't it? Yes. So, are there any other costs associated with trademark applications? We talked about what we call official costs
0: um, with uh, the intellectual property offices, but what about other costs, Danny? So, most of the costs are involved at the filing stage. Um, So, although um, there are other countries around the world that have um, official fees that are due upon registration. However, here at Pure Ideas, (laughs) we are upfront about these costs, so we will let you know about them um, in advance and before filing. However, During filing an application is examined, so before it is registered it goes through a formal process at um, whatever intellectual property office it may be, and um, formal objections may arise against your trademark application, Um, so if they do there may be um, costs involved in overcoming these objections. An application is also published for third party objections um and this is where oppositions usually occur so if an opposition is raised again there will be a cost for dealing with this um, unfortunately we didn't have a crystal ball so we don't know if any objections or oppositions will arise um, but if we um receive receipt of said objections or an opposition we will let you know about them and we will let you know about any costs that are involved and how it is best to proceed um, further on down the line as well, so once a trademark has registered, um, there may also be, um, further maintenance, um, costs involved in specific countries. Again, this is, um, the United States. The United States has a lot of additional costs further on down the line. Um, it, it's very, the US's laws, trademark laws are very different to the UK's. Um, so there is a maintenance requirement in the United States during the fifth and the sixth year. So the anniversary from registration where we need to submit a declaration of use, um, Showing that the mark is still in use in United States commerce for the goods and services that you have protected it for. So, again, it's one of those things where um, your trademark is um, registered for 10 years, but you need to keep, um, file this declaration of use during the fifth and the sixth year to keep it in force and protected.
1: Right. Okay. So again, lots to consider. I mean, something to that you've talked a lot, uh, you've touched on quite a few times during our conversation um, today is about oppositions and it's a whole topic area on its own. So That's I guess what we'd like to say is that we do plan to do a part three for trademarks and um, that will be to cover the sort of more thorny issue of oppositions, because I think there's a lot to sort of uncover in, in that particular area. T- to end on a sort of um, interesting note, uh, well, obviously it's all interesting danny uh, but in terms of sort of celebrity trademarks and that sort of thing um that have made headlines in the past have you got any little nuggets of information for us <laughs> um this is
0: one of my favorite things when celebrities try and sometimes fail to trademark um certain things um one of my favorites is when kylie jenner infamously tried and was unsuccessful in trademarking her name kylie um her application was denied because it's a very common name and um kylie jenner is not the only famous kylie because of course mm. kylie minogue famously opposed her application um so that's one of my favorites um taylor swift also made headlines um a few years ago when she applied when she tried to um trademark a swift um around the time of year of christmas obviously <laughs> for sending gifts to her fans and then another famous one um that um my fiance loves is usain bolt who i still could I think is still the fastest man on earth. Um, he owns several trademarks, including a gesture mark for his widely known lightning bolt pose. So um, celebrities try successfully sometimes and usually um, unsuccessfully sometimes trademark the most random things.
1: Yeah it keeps our lives very interesting is all of that. So Danny thank you uh, once again for your uh, all your pearls of w- wisdom on uh, trademarks and uh, for sharing your knowledge with us. Um if any of the listeners um feel that they want to know any more about trademarks or renewals or anything else relating to intellectual property then please do follow the links um after this podcast and we'll be very happy to have a chat with you. Thank you. Thank you.